and since we've got all the parents and the grandparents and all the kids together, I thought we'd just have a little bit of talk, just to talk here, like, what exactly are we trying to do with the kids? Like, you kids might be wondering, like, do my parents have any clue what they're doing? Where are we going? What's happening? And I thought, why don't we talk about that? Is there a goal, or are we just trying to get through the child-rearing years? Um, you know, let me just tell you, for those of you, for kids, this is what we're trying to do. For parents, this is like a little refresher. What we're trying to do is, as parents, we're responsible for receiving you, the kids. We're responsible for raising you and responsible for releasing you. And we want to release you as mature, Christ-centered believers who are competent to actually go forward in life. We don't want you to just be at home like forever. We are not going to be there to always tie your shoes and make your lunch. We want to send you out so that you are fully functional and you can walk with God and you can do all those big things, you know, like gas up your own car and even have your own car. Yes, I mean, some parents are super thrilled. I, I want you to know that's what we're trying to do. Our goal is to help you develop to be faithful and fully functional. But how do you do that? How do you make the most of these growing up years? I will tell you, what we need is wisdom for God, from God. Because right now in Western civilization, we're watching our kids just get destroyed. And let me tell you what's happening here. We need wisdom from God because right now a child's worth, like in our country, the United States, is determined by four factors. Either having beauty, being smart, having brains, um, your talent, whether it be in athletics or music or something that you can do that's better than most, or that you are popular. And what we're finding is that if a kid can't excel and be, have like notoriety and known in one of those four areas, what happens is that these kids are just imploding. It's kind of like that experiment. Remember, um, uh, when, I don't know if you guys did this, but like in science class, where you have this can, and then they hook it up to a vacuum, and they suck all the air out of it, and what happens to that can? It just like crumples up. Whoa, how did that happen? And I want you to know that's what's happening with a lot of kids. Being a junior high, elementary aged kid, high school kid, is really difficult. Remember your junior high years? Okay, adults? High school years? Some of you, I've, I've blocked this out of my mind, right? I don't even want to go there. It was so painful. It was hurtful. It was brutal. And what's happening if kids aren't fine that they're not the most beautiful, the most intelligent, the most talented, they don't have the most likes, the most followers? What happens is they end up like this can. And it's complicated because not only do our society reinforce, you've got to be an all-star in one of these areas, their fellow peers eat them up like piranhas. They will isolate them, they'll ignore them, they'll send messages that will kind of defame them, they'll slander them, they will hurt them, and they will crush them. And what we need are parents and grandparents, pastors, teachers, coaches, that are Christ-centered, and that are interested in the development of these kids. We have got to be concerned far more than about external performance. We have got to be concerned about the heart, the internal, and what is going on. And what happens is, if kids grow up in homes that don't have a parent or parents or grandparents that are investing in them spiritually, they don't have a teacher that could care less about what's going on in their heart, 
They don't have any coaches to care. They don't have a youth group. They don't have a student ministry pastor or director involved in their life. What happens is these kids believe that God isn't good enough. They might even come to the conclusion he doesn't exist. He's certainly not sufficient. He can't be helpful. And he doesn't love me. And his ways are too restrictive. And so they are just out there floating. And they are setting their life up for disaster. What every kid needs is a game plan of how to move forward, how to make the most of these growing up years. And they need some adults, some parents, grandparents, teachers, pastors that are committed to their development. So how do you make the most of the growing up years? Remember, as parents, we're not trying to prepare the road for our child. We're trying to prepare our child for the road. Parents get the idea like, well, I'm just going just, to just totally, anybody that's in my child's way of being the ultimate success, I'm just going to remove that. Actually, life is hard. You might be able to get away with some of those antics while they're in elementary school, junior high, maybe some high school. But by the time you hit college age, there is no professor that is going to entertain you as you put on your little uh, tantrum in their office. What we need to do is prepare our children. So how do you make the most of these growing up years? That is why the passage we're looking at today is so critically important. You need to understand that your present priorities become your future foundation And Solomon, as he's made his way through this entire book, as he's coming to the conclusion, he has words for the young and for those who raise them. If you want to make the most of your growing up years, take a look. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. You want to enjoy all you can. Look what the text says. He says, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. It's a command to actually find joy and happiness in every way that you can to enjoy your childhood. Childhood, you want to move forward with gusto. You want to find joy and happiness and contentment in the activities that you're doing. Like whether you're going to school or you're involved in athletics or you're involved in a club. You want to learn how to enjoy and appreciate and esteem your family. You want to experience as much joy as possible. It might surprise you, but what Solomon is saying is, for your childhood, and you only get one of them, you want it to be as joyful as possible. That means that you want to learn how to enjoy the daily routines of life. Most of life, kids, is routine. Every once in a while, you do something out of the ordinary. But for most of life, it's a routine schedule. It's ongoing activities You want to learn how to find joy in those activities. One of the best ways of doing that is to be thankful. Another thing is to actually appreciate and have laughter in your home. I mean, when you're laughing, life is just so much better. Now, some homes have no laughter. It's just serious, and it's just one problem after another. You want to actually have joy. And friends, I will tell you that I think... This gets started with the parents. Parents set the tone for their home. That's kind of how it works. And, you know, our kids, I mean, there's all this pressure to be attractive. And they're always comparing themselves and critiquing themselves on social media to perform well, to have, like, super high standards and to be the very best, to be super popular and have all these followers. There's a lot of pressure that kids put on themselves. It's from their culture. But, frankly, we have plenty of parents that are driving this agenda. It's, it's really what's happening is parents are vicariously living through their kids. 
And although they weren't much of a success, or maybe they were, they went like, man, my kid's got to even be more so. And they are pushing their kids past a healthy point to an extreme where the settled state in a lot of kids' lives isn't one of joy, it's one of desperation and burnout. And we've got 13 and 14-year-olds, and they're just like, man, I'm done. And we have been successful in frying them at a very early age. You can be a parent and push too hard. And so, parents, let's just remember, we want to be far more focused on the eternal and the internal, not just the external. Not just well, what it looks like. But what's really going on in these kids' hearts? Do they have an eternal perspective, a relationship with God, living more than just for the dot, but they actually have a broader perspective in life? And so this text says, you want to enjoy all you can. You want to enjoy actually every season of life. You remember last week what he said in verse 8? He says, look at this. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them what? All. That's right. For the two of you that were reading that, good, you got it. Did you see that? Rejoice in them all. All of your days. Whether you're five, 50, or 105, the scripture says you want to enjoy everything you can in life. And so that's what it, what it gets started with as a kid. If you want to have an enjoyable adulthood, it gets started with learning how to find joy even when you're young. One of the things you don't want to do is if you're a kid is like, be like, always just like disrespecting and, di- and not appreciating where you're at presently and just focused on the future. So this is what it looks like. Like, you're in elementary school, and you're like, oh, there's just a bunch of babies here. I can't wait till I'm in intermediate school because that's where the cool kids are. And so what happens is you don't really appreciate your elementary age years. You're always like, oh, this is not important. This is for babies or for children. And your friends foster that kind of mentality. And then when you get to intermediate school, it's like, oh, this is terrible. Man, it's, you've got to be a junior high. That's where the life is. And so you're all focused on being junior high. And then, of course, when you get to junior high, like, oh, this is like a prison. This is ridiculous. I hate my teachers. I hate my classes. I need to be in high school. High school is where it's at. And then, of course, you're in high school like, oh. I just need to be in college, or I need to be in the military, or I need to be in the workforce. And then that, that pattern just keeps going. And then if it's not after college, it's got to get the job or get the master's or, or go on to do this. If you're single, oh man, I hate being single because I really want to be married. And what happens is you have developed a pattern in your life where you never are enjoying the season that you're at. You don't plan on blooming where you're planted if you're resenting where you're at. And that's why this text is so important. He says, you want to learn how to enjoy. Enjoy your family and your friends and your school and the things that you're involved in. And one of the things that you want to learn how to enjoy, you're not ready for this, you want to learn how to enjoy your work. Whether it be your schoolwork or your chores or taking care of your pets or the garbage or clean dishes, you're like, oh, I want you to know there's no one that enjoys weeding. Your parents don't, you don't. And so, but you you need to know that you're going to spend most of your life doing work, whether you're working for a job so you have money and you can pay for things, or you're working at your home so it's viable and sustainable. No one likes to eat off of dirty dishes, and so you learn how to wash them. And so what you want to do is learn to find something that you like in what you're doing. Just one thing, okay? 
No one's super excited about chores and all the hard things that you have to do, but find something that you like, that you can appreciate. It takes some practice. You've got to be intentional. But what I'm talking about is really important. Because if you don't learn how to enjoy life when you're young, this is what happens. You just become bitter and judgmental. And this happens all the time. And I'll tell you why it happens. Kids kind of think like, well, my parents have to be perfect. My teachers and my coaches, man, they've got to make my life as exciting. They've got to make this material exciting. They have got to have me fully engaged. And the moment they're not, oh, they're, they're terrible, you know. And we're bitter toward them and judgmental. I got I want news for everybody. There is no one and no situation that is perfect. Kids, you need to understand. Your parents and your grandparents and your teachers and your coaches and your pastors, they are far from perfect. Do you know your grandparents sin? What? Yeah, they do. Why? We're all fallen. We're all in the same boat. There's nothing that is perfect. There is no one that is perfect. And so what you want to do is extend a lot of grace. You want to learn how to become content. Let me give you a Bible verse. 1 Timothy 6, 6. It said, it says this, Godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Learn to be content where you're at. It'll be so much better. You will learn to find joy. And one of the best ways of learning how to enjoy life and enjoy all you can is to be thankful. Remember how this text began? Rejoice. It's a command. And I want to challenge you on your gratitude and your rejoicing. You want to take a step out of the kiddie pool. Beyond just like, thanks, but hardly even acknowledging God. Think deeply about the blessings that you have and that God is the one who gives you these good gifts to cultivate a love relationship with you. Deep. You want to swim on the deep side of the pool. Really know how good God is and to be grateful. And by the way, as you see this, you're like, man, I, I want my kids to enjoy all they can. I want my grandkids to. As a teacher, how could I uh, help, help with more joy in kids' lives? Let me give you some, some words that will add a lot of joy. Say this. I love you. Whoa. Good job. That's right. Now tell your kid that, all right? And I appreciate that you love me, and I just want you to love your kid too, okay? Here's another. You are good at, and then you tell them specifically. Not like you are good at leaving your room a mess. Okay, They know that. You know that. But you, you tell them something you find that they're good at. Here's another. I am proud of you. Whoever does this, they become joy givers. And friends, this is important. Because if you are going to make the most of your growing up years, you want to enjoy all you can. Let me show you something else. Notice what else he says in verse, 11 and, uh, verse 9 and 10 in chapter 11. You not only want to enjoy all you can, you want to grow all you can. So he says, verse 9, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes, and yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. He says you want to grow all you can. He says, follow the impulses of your heart, the course that your mind takes you to grow, to try new things, to learn. And he also says to follow the desires of your eyes. That has the idea that you set goals, you see potential, you see possibilities. And in life, you want to expand your horizons, see possibilities. 
You see people like, wow, I could, I could develop like that. Appreciate, esteem, set goals, see next steps. Because God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow. He's tried to make this crystal clear. For instance, you're to grow in every respect. When we think about growth, we oftentimes think about physical growth. And seeing people from very early on grow and develop actually is a big clue that God is in the growth business. And so physically, you see growth. I mean, you do exercise, you move around, you're breathing, you're sleeping, you're doing these things. You can see growth take place in your life. But it's more than that. God wants you to grow not only physically, he also wants you to grow socially. That you have skills, that you can learn to appreciate people. That you can actually have relationships beyond a five-year-old level where you're kind of kicking and screaming when you don't get your way. No, 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 we, we want to grow. In fact, it's essential that you grow, otherwise you're going to have some really bad relationships. You probably won't even have a lot of friends. You want to also grow mentally. God has given you a brain. He wants you to fully develop it, to engage it, to make the most of it. Don't, don't make this mistake like, well, I'm just, I don't think I'm super smart. You know, I, I keep getting C's. And so you just give up. Well, I'm just not very smart. And you think like you're going to go through life, life, life like that. You're setting yourself up for disaster. You get smarter by working hard and applying yourself and keep growing and developing. Your brain is like a muscle. You want to be strong? you got to work it out. Yeah, you might have to work harder than others. Who cares? You want to grow. And the other thing is that God wants you to grow spiritually. He not only wants you to experience salvation, forgiveness of sins, start a relationship with Jesus, he wants you to grow and mature in this relationship. And so you want to grow all you can. What does your eye see? What does your heart desire? You want to explore things. You want to find out what your strengths are. Find out about your personality. Start growing. Try different things. You want to be at peace with who you are and how God has made you. And you go forward in life. Now, I want to tell you something. He actually tells you there, you see in verse 9, just because you might feel like doing something or like some of your friends are like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm pretty sure my parents wouldn't want me to do this, but man, is this wild or crazy. I want you to know that God says you grow in every respect that you can. But remember, you are accountable to him. You see that? He says, yet know, verse 9, that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. See, God has established right and wrong. He's established morality in the world and in the universe. There are things that violate his holiness, violate relationship with him. It's called sin. It means to miss the mark. Sin has a penalty. That's why Jesus had to come and die. Sin always creates death and separation. So God wants you to stay away from the things that are sinful because it breaks down relationship and fellowship with him. But the other reason that God tells us that, listen, you want to be mindful that you're going to be evaluated and judged all these things is that God knows the things that are harmful and hurtful, not just sinful. You see, he's the creator of life. He made you. He made your family. He's designed life to be lived in relationship with him. And if you are off track, you're trying to live independent of God. If you, if you don't really care what he's revealed in his word, you are going to be hurt by life. And there are some people in this room, and they are literally scarred. Because they avoided God. They didn't listen. They didn't read the word. Or in some cases, they didn't even hear it. And so he says, listen, 
You will pursue everything you can, grow all you can. But remember, you're going to be held accountable. So grow in ways that are godly. Ask God, is this right and good? He'll make it known to you. And notice what else he says. Look at verse 10. He says, so remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. He says, remove grief and anger. It's one Hebrew word. Uh, maybe your Bible translates it like resentment and worry or it has the word vexation. He says, remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body. That word pain can mean evil or it can mean things that are very discomforting. And he says, try to remove these things from your life. Why would God say, don't, don't uh, allow grief and worry to fester or anger and resentment or evil to fester in your heart? Why would he say remove it? It's because of this. Grief, anger, worry, anxiety, they stunt growth. They prevent you from developing all that you can. They're occupying and twisting your heart. And so he says, remove them. You see, worried people lose their sense of joy. And they lose their sense that God's in this equation. Yeah, I got a lot of hard things, but God is with me. Angry people, they're angry because they uh, can't control a situation or they didn't get their way. And so what angry people do is they create division. In fact, Ephesians 4 says that if you allow anger to foster in your heart, you're giving the devil an opportunity. And Satan would love to destroy your heart and all of your relationships. And one of the major ways he does that is through anger. And so he says, friends, you want to get rid of those things. Remove them from your heart. And so how do you address things like worry and anger? Well, one of the things is you have to just name it. Like, just call it what it is. Identify, you know what? This uh, emotion here, this is actually anger or anxiety or worry. So you call it, you name it. And then you take a minute to calm down, just like, breathe, you know? Okay, all right. And like, Lord, could you help me here? I am feeling bad about this or whatever the situation is. Would you give me your guidance? I, I need perspective. I need peace. I need strength. This is beyond me. And I'm not even behaving well in this situation. And then you might also ask someone that's got some godly wisdom, like your parent or your grandparent or a pastor or a coach or a teacher. You know, help me to handle this situation better. And if you would like to have a happy adulthood, it gets oftentimes started with a happy childhood where you're enjoying all you can and you're growing all you can. But I want you to know something. You only get one childhood. There are no do-overs. Look what the text says, verse 10. You want to put those things away, anger, grief, evil, pain, because childhood and the prime of life, they are fleeting. I know as a kid, you're like, I'm going to be young forever. And I remember thinking the exact same way. But I want you to know that your dark brown hair, your black hair, your blonde hair, it's going to change colors. And it's going to become kind of gray and it might be white. And your hair might just go away altogether, you know. And it happens. You need to know that it, it happens. You're going to grow. Your body right now, I mean, you can jump and you can do all these things and stuff. There's going to be a day that you're happy to get from your car to the door. You know, it's going to happen. You can't, you can't imagine it. But that's this text is saying you want to make the most of your opportunity. And did you notice in verses 9 and 10, twice 
He's focused on the word heart. That's what's important. Not the external so much. It's your heart. Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. It's what's inside that overflows to the outside. Everything that is going on in your life, it's focused here on the heart. So we're interested in heart transformation. God, change me, fill me, shape me, lead me, guide me. Parents, we're interested in heart transformation, not behavior modification. You can train a monkey. We're not interested in that. What we're interested in is that our kids, what? That they become fully mature, Christ-centered believers, and they can move forward competently in life. That means we are always going after the heart. We are in the growth business. We are coaching. We are praying. We are explaining. We are teaching when called for. We are disciplining. We are correcting. But we are always engaging our kids because you got one window. Their childhood, the growing up years, you want to make the most of it. And so he says, you want to grow in all the ways that you can. And so what is, where is your heart taking you, kids? Are you growing all that you can? I want you to know that nobody is instantly good at anything. You know, sometimes it looks like, wow, they're just super talented. Actually, they might have some gifts there, but they probably are a really hard worker. Anytime you see anybody that's good at anything, you need to know they spend a lot of time getting there. They have a lot of failures. Guess what? You're going to fail lots of times. Try some different things. Just because it didn't work out the first time, no big deal. There's lots of times it just doesn't work the first time or the second or the hundredth. But you just keep at it. You keep growing. You keep investing. And one of the great ways to learn how to grow is to actually serve. Like with our live wires. So last week, our fifth and sixth graders, they have a group called live wires for obvious reasons. Okay. And there's a, they've got tons of energy. So we've trained them. We train all of our fifth, sixth graders so that they know how to serve. I, at staff meeting this week, I, the report was these fifth and sixth graders, they would serve every single Sunday if we let them. They just love it. They want to be engaged. You know what that's telling me? We got some kids that want to grow. And that's exactly what Solomon says. You want to grow all you can. You want to get started started when you're young. And parents, that's what we're doing. We want our kids to enjoy their childhood. And we want them to grow all they can. And if you're surprised that the Bible is actually interested in, in people's development beyond spiritually, I want you to know that God is interested in your development in every respect. If you need a Bible verse on that, listen to John. In 3 John 2, he says this, Beloved, John writes, I pray in all respects that you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Just like you're growing spiritually, I want everything in your life growing and being well. And that's what we want to do with our kids. There was a movie a while back called um, Dead Poet Society. And in it, Robin Williams plays this teacher. He's a, he's a poetry teacher in an all-boys school. And he takes all these kids at the very first class and he takes them to this trophy room where they see all these pictures of, of these boys that had been in this school like 50 to 75 years ago. And they're like these gray pictures and they're kind of folded and stuff. And he has all those kids look at these, these kids back, you know, 50 to 75 years ago, many of which are no longer alive. And as those kids are looking at those pictures, he comes behind them 
And he whispers, Carpe diem, seize the day. Make the most of the opportunity while you're young. And that's what Solomon is saying. You want to enjoy all you can, and you want to grow all you can. Friends, that's what you want to do if you want to make the most of your growing up years. And finally, and don't miss verse 1 of chapter 12. If you want to make the most of your growing up years, you want to enjoy all you can, you want to grow all you can, but you want to remember God all you can. Look what it says. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say, will say, I have no delight in them. Relationship with God is at the foundation of a life of joy and growth. So if you really want joy in your life, you want to really grow, you want God. He created joy and life. And so he says, remember your creator, the one who's made all things before the evil days. This is kind of speaking when, when things break down in your body and it's difficult and it's hard and those days will come. So he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And it's easy to forget God, whether you're a kid or an adult, right? It's kind of like gravity. Is, is anybody this morning, did anybody think about gravity? I had a kid in the last service that thought about gravity, which was great. Okay. You didn't think about gravity, right? But, just, but imagine if you woke up this morning and like everything was floating around, you know, and you try to take a step out of bed and you're like, whoa, and you're just like all over the place. You know, if there's no gravity, there's like no atmosphere, you can't breathe. I mean, gravity is super important. And we just count on it. We, we know that things are going to fall. We're able to walk. We just, gravity, we, it's just there. We never think about it. We're, we're really happy it's there. Many people treat God like that. We are so glad that it, God is utterly consistent, that he is always faithful, totally reliable. But we oftentimes never think about him, give him credit, thank him. We're just glad that God keeps it all running. And I want you to know, that if you want to make the most of your growing up years, you want to remember God. That has the idea that you call to mind, that you consider, that you're cultivating this rich relationship, this love relationship with the Lord himself. You see, God made you. He created you. He wants you to experience life to its fullest, and that is impossible apart from him. He wants you to enjoy life, and the only way you can do that is if you enjoy God. So he says, remember the creator in the days of your youth. And so that's for all of us. I mean, so how do you do that? Like, how do you remember God? Well, maybe when you wake up, actually say just even a short prayer. So as I'm kind of coming to, coming to in the morning and trying to get cognizant, I've tried to develop this pattern where I just initialize a very short prayer to God. Oftentimes it's this prayer, like, Lord, would you just do your work through me today? You might want to say good morning to God. You just, you're just starting. Maybe you listen to Christian music or a message, um, like a sermon on a podcast. Maybe you go to church and get involved in a small group. You're, you come and make worship a priority in your life. You've got friends that actually you sometimes even talk about spiritual matters. I, there's no one here that's going to talk about spiritual matters all the time. But in your friendships... Whether you're an adult or a kid, do you ever talk about Jesus or what you're learning from the Bible or a step of growth? Well, I want you to know you want to make the most of your life. You want to remember God. So you engage those things. Maybe you start a blessing book 
where you write down blessings. You thank God before you eat. Thank God for this food and that he's so good and he's provided for you. Before you go to bed, make it just a practice just to say a short prayer just before you fall asleep. And you can ask the Lord, is it wise or if it's good? He's going to tell you, but he wants you to remember him, to involve God in all of life. So like in our uh, Wednesday night adventure club for our, our elementary age student ministry that we're working with the kids, this term, they've been focused on like, how do we... Um, communicate with God. How do you do that? You do it through prayer. But how does God communicate with us? If we want to remember God all that we can, how does God communicate with us? Okay, kids, here's your moment to shine. The number one way, the primary way that God communicates with us is through his word. That's right, through the Bible. But God also communicates to us through prayer. As we're praying, God brings people or situations to mind or we see like, you know what? I probably should forgive my parents. Um, I should forgive my friend. Or I, I should probably try to be nice to that new girl that's in school because she has no friends. And that, that's through prayer. God also uh, communicates to us, through us, to us as we're actually having wise counsel in our life. We listen to our parents or our pastors. He also communicates through circumstance where we see situations and it's like, you know, God seems to be opening the door for me to do this. And so you ask the Lord, you remember God. God wants to be involved in the heart issues of your life. And I want you to know that you're, some of you kids, you've got it tough. There's some difficult things in your life. Like, for instance, your parents got divorced. Your life is oftentimes in turmoil. You put on a happy face on it. You know what you need to do? You need to forgive your parents. You need to forgive your friends that have hurt you. Do not let any root of bitterness spring up and by it many be defiled. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. So you remember God. And you want to do it when you're young because if you do, you're setting yourself up for a foundation of success. God wants you to experience the most of your growing up years. So what happens... What happens if you're like, I have totally blown it. I have wasted my youth, my childhood. I mean, is there any hope for me? I want to give you a resounding yes. God specializes in redemption. God specializes in taking broken peace and shatters lives and, and lives that seem to be just torn apart, oftentimes by circumstances outside of your control. And he's like, I'm going to take all these broken pieces and I'm going to unite you with my son and I'm going to turn your life into a life of beauty. You're going to be a testimony of grace. That's what he does when we trust in Christ. And, you know, you might be a Christian. You're like, man, I, I've blown it in my life. What do you do when you've sinned? Do you think like, well, I need to go and clean up my life and then I'm going to go back and talk to God after I've really kind of straightened out for a week or two. If that's how you think, you don't really understand the gospel. You see, you come with your cold heart toward God and your sinfulness, and you just come to God who provides forgiveness, life, compassion, hope. He provides these things. He wants you to be overwhelmed by his love. That's why Jesus said, John chapter 8, verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus wants to shine his light through you, and he will show you the path to live. 
as he's doing in this text. So, friends, what our kids need is a compelling vision of maturing as Christ-centered believers, being competent to move forward in life. They need parents, coaches, teachers, directors, pastors that are committed to their true well-being. See, our present priorities, guess what? They become our future foundation. There's a a person by the name of David Bradstreet. Uh, If you're in the world of science, you've probably heard of this guy. He is an outstanding evangelical Christian. He's an award-winning scientist. He's an astronomy professor. He's an author, and he's a binary star expert. Recently, he had a book come out, Starstruck, Seeing the Creator and the Wonders of Our Cosmos. And he actually talks about his growing up years. Pretty interesting, and I thought I would just share with you uh, this boy's life. He's growing up in Massachusetts, super cold, and he's kind of this budding astronomer. He's got a telescope that he's made, and it's uh, out of um, cardboard, like a cardboard tube. He's got like this little tripod that's made out of aluminum, and he talks about what it looked like growing up. Listen to this. He says, and he writes, I couldn't see much out of my bedroom window, so I devised a brilliant solution. I wrapped myself in layers of warm clothing, grabbed a flimsy, derelict metal chair out of the basement, and headed out to our big backyard along with my telescope and observation notebook. The dark winter skies were incredibly clear, allowing me to study the heavens to my heart's content as I sat bundled, silent, and shivering. On nights when the frigid winds grew particularly bitter, my numb fingers and bulky gloves made it difficult to write down my observations in my notebook. But I did so anyway, faithfully recording my sightings of hundreds of planets and stars. When I could no longer control my frozen body's shakes and shudders, I reluctantly went inside to warm up. Many times, I couldn't feel my hands or feet. But nobody in the family ever called me crazy, at least not to my face. And my dad even helped me cart my equipment around. And then listen to this, what he writes. He says, fortunately, both my family and my bigger church family at my church lovingly embraced the somewhat obsessive junior astronomer in their midst. It wasn't until years later that I realized how different things might have been for me had I grown up in a church that condemned science and discouraged believers from working in astronomy. I still can't understand why some Christians turn their backs on a discipline that powerfully demonstrates the majesty of our Creator. Friends, we're in this together. You want to make the most of your growing up years? Enjoy God? You want to enjoy all you can? You want to grow all you can? And you want to remember God all you can? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for an amazing few verses of Scripture that tell us what we need, that once again set our sights on what true growth is. Joy in Christ, growing and expanding, and living life in relationship with you. For someone who is here today who has never really trusted Jesus, they've been focused on the external, maybe they see the waywardness of their sinfulness, but they just pray with me and say, Lord, I want to just turn from myself and my sin this morning. I believe in Christ, and I ask for him to be the Lord of my life and the one who forgives my sins. And Lord, for all of us, help us to enjoy all we can, to grow all we can, and help us to remember you all we can for all the days of our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.